This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Welcome to the Tell It Abs It Is podcast. Your home for everything Colorado Avalanche on the Hockey Podcast Network. Here's your hosts, Griffin Youngs and Christian Boulay. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another edition of the Tell It Abs It Is podcast on the Hockey Podcast Network. I'm Griffin Youngs, joined by Christian Bollet. As always, the Avalanche go 2-0 over the course of these last two games, capped off by one of the greatest events in human history. I really think up there with like the building of Rome, all of these incredible historic events, Curtis McDermott, game-winning goal, and not just like some fluke shot, just genuine silk velvet in front of the net for the Avalanche to beat the Minnesota Wild. Just Christian, you have the floor. How are you feeling right now? I mean, dude, I, I am, I am on cloud nine. Um, I take a lot of pride in being a Curtis McDermott Stan. Um, what do you end up playing tonight? Like four minutes total. Uh, by the end of the game, Curtis McDermott played three thirty. What a guy, what a guy gets a goal in three thirty. Um, it, it's, it, we'd grind all off season for these moments. Um, it's just so rewarding to see him score and a game winning goal. And I, I saw a stat. This was his second career game winning goal. I need to find out what the other one was because that that's just, it, it's the greatest day of my life, man. Like I, 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 I don't know how else to put it in words. Um, I'm trying not to scream into the microphone right now. Um, I felt bad for my neighbors because they probably thought someone had died when I was screaming like a little girl when he scored that goal. I had to do a double take. I thought it was Riley Tufty who scored originally. I thought it was Riley Tufty. Yep. And the play by, was it Cogliano who set up? What a beautiful pass by Cogliano. Um, sets it up and McDermott just undresses Philip Gustafson and <laughs> gives the Avs a 3-2 win, a game-winning goal. He's doing all of the post-game press stuff. And he is probably... Like, I don't think, I think hockey players are the worst with media, but he could be one of the worst media personalities I've ever seen. He just looked so uncomfortable in the fact that he had to do this. You know, he didn't want to do that. Yeah, he looks completely unprepared. And you know what? <laughs> I, think that, I think that makes for the best interviews when you get a guy who has probably very rarely ever been in front of the media. Just Curtis is a very behind closed doors yes. kind of presence on this team. Where it's like, we all know it, but we don't see it. Like, clearly everyone on the team loves him. Guy does not have to do media, doesn't get post-game interviews or anything like that. If there's a scrum in the locker room, 
there's generally not going to be a big crowd of media surrounding Curtis McDermott. And so all of a sudden now he scores this incredible goal that wins the game for the Avalanche against Minnesota in Minnesota. And now he's got the mic attached to him. He's doing the TNT. (laughs) He's on national TV. Not, he, not just altitude, he, not just altitude, national TV. And it just, the, the sight of a massive motherfucker like Curtis McDermott, just yep. a tower of a human being, just looking so lost in a media <laughs> interview is amazing. The it, funniest thing that could ever happen. Dude, I, I, I love the fact that it's gotten to the point now with this Curtis McDermott fandom that I think more people were excited for me that he scored the goal. Like my, my Twitter replies were just like, let's go, let's go. And I'm like, this feels good. It's almost like I just scored a national hockey I did league. this. Yeah, like this is all me. No, I, is all- I get you. This is what it was like with Berkey. When Berkey yeah. scored the winner in the Stanley Cup final, it felt like I did it because right. the amount of people that like, dude, how do you feel about this right now? <laughs> I unironically, just making, making this about me, I got unironically like, at least 25 separate messages from 20 different people (laughs) saying like, Oh my God, dude, (laughs) you did it. (laughs) Do you remember the guy who sat next to us at the playoffs? Yeah. Yeah. He he, he goes, I came to Twitter just to see your response to this. (laughs) And I was just like, like, it's so stupid when you think about it. Cause I had zero effect on it. Zero, zero. And it really does save Curtis scoring this goal puts away people's thoughts of like, why are we playing him? I was at so least ready. like 24 hours. I least. was so ready because coming into the third period, he played what, like two minutes. If that. I was, I was so ready. It's still on my note sheet. Just Curtis, what are we doing here with <laughs> this? Because I was so ready to just be like, why are we still doing this? And he pulls out the most ridiculous goal. goal I've it- ever seen it's just so funny because if like mckinnon or mccard does that it's just like oh that's a nice move like but oh when does it, you're just like holy shit like my move. like it, it takes a lot to get like my jaw to drop like you watch an <laughs> hockey you just kind of take things at face value i sat there flabbergasted i tweeted like i am in shock that that just <laughs> happened that's why i thought it was riley tough to score it because i was like there's no way curtis just somehow that. that's less crazy <laughs> right and i was just like it it, it was I lost it for a good. I had to like recompose myself that there's still like 15 minutes left in this period. And, uh, shit. Yeah. And I'm like, I, I got to get locked in here, bro. But it was, it was like, I'm on such a high right now, man. I'm at a loss for words. Uh, it's, it's just good, man. It feels good to get one. It's like that Kevin meme from the office where he's like, it just feels good to get one every once in a while. That, that's how I feel right Sometimes now. You just got to see one go in. Yeah, just see one go in. I mean, he's 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 the man. He's just the man. And it's we always talk about it. He is one of the hardest workers. Like for a guy who's rarely in the lineup, he does put in the work more than anyone else. And I think that's part of the reason why he stays on this team. I really do because he's a great locker room guy. But when he gets one, you can just see the bench, how the bench reacts when he scores, man. And can you, can you imagine the scene in that locker room right now? Right. Because I need to see it. Curtis's goals in the past, like this is not his first goal. Right. They've been shots from the point that get through traffic. Go Let's see on. if I can name them because he has four. He had the Boston one mm-hmm. in Boston, Boston against one. Boston. I'm, I'm going. He had back. one against Philadelphia. Uh, he had the one against. Uh, the wild tonight. And then the fourth one, it was last year. 
Was it the? I have it. Was it the Kings? It was not the Kings. His former team. Who was it? I can't remember it. It was March twentieth, twenty twenty three, late season. Does that help at all? He played fifteen minutes in this game. Oh fuck! That's gonna drive me crazy. Do you want to Lady- just know? Was it the Predators? It was not the Predators. You're in the right division. Was it the Hawks? It was the Chicago Blackhawks. I do remember that one now. Yeah. It was like a deflection. I remember that now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was, it was the Chicago Blackhawks. And that was his game-winning goal. Let's go. Let's go, baby. So Curtis McDermott has scored on his last two goals. They've both been game-winning goals. You know, you, you can't teach the clutch gene. I think honest, in the he's 4-0. and The odds are 4-0 and in games he scored. Yeah. So... Just take that as you will. Yeah, and, and everyone's going to go, Curtis doesn't have impact on the games. Argue with a fucking wall, clearly. Argue with the stats, man. 4-0, oh, baby. Um, it is just – it is still weird why they – like, I, when he's out there, I don't see him do anything bad. You know what I mean? Like He's not it, out there enough. I know, but is he that much of a liability that we're only playing him four minutes a game? Because that that's the interesting part where it's just like, okay, let's say this goal doesn't happen. We're having a very different conversation. Right. The guy played three and a half minutes. Yeah, like I, I just don't I, I don't get it because he's he played more last year as a defenseman. You think as a forward you can hide a forward more than you can a defenseman. You would think sometimes. And also like they they're not playing Thomas Tatar in this game right. for Curtis McDermott, and they're not playing him. Right. I mean, it's weird. And that's what makes this so funny. Right. Because that's the only thing that could have happened to switch this conversation. It is. There's, it very, is. there's really nothing else that McDermott could have done. How much can you do in 330 to Not much. impress anybody? Which is also the point of like, if you feel he's good enough to play, play him. But if you don't, then what are we doing here? Because right. this is fun. This is funny. We're having a great time. Let's maybe bring it down to earth a little bit. Yeah. That's not going to happen much. No. i I just don't i i get i get it that he's not the greatest player but why dress him if you're only gonna play him three minutes right like Like, that's still what i get and especially now where you are like tufty's not coming out kiwi ranta's not coming out olafson's not coming out there's a reason it's tatar it's because there's nobody else right else is doing their job like I get it for this game because the Wild just have a ton of players who are just big and stupid. But the, the Wild didn't really do anything in this game to justify playing Curtis, other than the fact he scored that goal. And it, it's the just, only the only other thing I could think of it's it's the front half of a back to back, and you want to rotate guys, and you want to tar fresh tomorrow, and maybe that gives him an edge. That's the only thing I can think of that would really justify this decision, but. The ends justify the means sometimes. Sometimes you just get Curtis McDermott putting on a moose mask and throwing some some slick mitts on for a disgusting game winner. You know, I'm going to watch that goal on repeat. Like I will go to bed watching that goal. And I it, it's just one of those things where if you're going to play him, play him like it, I, I just don't I don't get it. Like you don't put him on the penalty kill, obviously, but. Your fourth line, like I thought the fourth line was pretty good tonight. And it was McDermott was never on it because they'd rotate Kiwi Ronto, Colton Wood. But I just thought it, it's just weird. The whole thing's weird because they're basically going in a forward down whenever they play Curtis. They right. are. So yeah. it, it doesn't make sense. But hey, scored the game winning goal. I'm going to save all the rational thinking for a later date. Um, I'm going to enjoy this one. Uh, I'm going to sip on a nice brandy when we're done. 
and just just coast to it, man. Just coast to the coast to the glory of Curtis McDermott scoring a goal, uh, let alone against the Minnesota Wild, which is even funnier. Like if this would have happened against like like oh, if it would have happened to the Caps, that would have been really funny. Oh, that'd be hilarious. Uh, that'd be even but like but like the Panthers, like this would yeah. be cool. But it's like it's not really. But against the Wild, it makes it even funnier. Right, and in a like a genuine moment where you need someone to step up. So you need someone to make a play Jesus. and Curtis McDermott makes it like that. That was it. That was the difference in the game. Somebody stepped up and it just so happened to be Curtis McDermott in this game, the avalanche and the Minnesota wild three to two, the abs win it. They get a massive two points and push the wilds losing streak to six games in a row. It has been rough sledding in Minnesota as of late their first game since last Sunday I did not even realize that they had yeah they had that break because they came back from Sweden but yeah. it's like like do we need to hit the panic button if you're a wild fan yeah I'd say this yeah, is I mean this is really really bad I mean Kaprizov scored tonight but he has not been good this year his his second even strength goal of the yeah. season but his he's not goal. he's not been good Boldy's stunk uh, the, the wild, the two players who could score for them aren't scoring anymore. And once you know it, Matt Zuccarello is finally taking a step back at what age 36. Even, like Zuccarello is still almost like a point per game. Like they still have guys being productive, but it's almost like Mark Andre Fleury and Philip Gustafson were going to regress. Well, Fleury regressed even more. I, I did not realize Gustafson was having as bad of a year as he is. Yeah. What was his goal against like 4.81? That was his goal against his right now. It's not good. Whatever it is. I'd have to look at that real quick, but it's, I can guarantee you it's it's not great. It's 4.15 with an 82 save percentage. His goals against is up a, a whole two at the moment. Two whole right, like, goals. Like we, we knew this was going to happen because what was he last year? Like a 933? Oh, he That's was up there. If he, if he wasn't a tandem goalie, he would have been up for the Vesna. He was a 931, but he only played 39 games. Yeah, he, he was phenomenal last year. And he's gone back to what he was in Ottawa, which is decent, but not world beater. And it, the wild are just, I think their only saving grace is that they play in the central because the central sucks as a division. Uh, so they, they have a chance to come back in this, but they're going to have to turn it around quick, man, because I want like for the first 30 minutes of this game, they were dead. Like the abs could have easily won this game four to nothing. The abs gave them everything they got tonight. Yeah. That's one of the things I wanted to talk about was like, this the score is close. It should not have been. No. Yeah. Like the wild where they are right now, Going up two to nothing on them, literally the only thing you have to do is not give up a goal on the next possession, and you win this game easily. You bury them. There's no energy in that building. There's no energy on this team. And, you know, you want to give credit to Minnesota because they've been a consistent playoff team for the last few years, but you look at where they're at right now. They have a 389 points percentage at the moment. They are two points ahead of Chicago for last place. And right now it is... Colorado, Winnipeg, and Dallas are all tied at 26 points for first. And so that goes all the way down to third. The Wild are 12 points behind that right now. It's tough, man. It, what what have the Wild done consistently throughout these past couple of playoff years is they get out to a great start. And then they kind of fade off as the season goes. This year, they're off to a terrible start. So are they going to pick it up? I still think they're a playoff team just because the Central sucks. But you can't have this go on for much longer. But the you thing can't. is, is like Winnipeg is genuinely playing well. They're eight yes. two in their last ten. They've won five in a row. They won again today. I forget who they beat, but they they won again today. They beat Florida three to nothing in Florida. Yeah. And if Winnipeg is just going to be good, even if they fall off a little bit, that's 
all three gone. And now you're talking like we talked about where the Pacific has a couple of teams that can bounce back and take wild card spots. There's not a lot of time here in Minnesota, right? Because we're getting to the quarter mark of the season. We're not there yet, but we're past American Thanksgiving, where at least 60 to 70% of the teams in playoff spots now stay there. Not every, not every single one of them. I think a lot of times people get hung up on American Thanksgiving and think it's impossible. You're 18 games into the season. There's a lot of hockey left to play. A lot play. of hockey. But that's when you see the contenders separate. Like the Avs are making it. The Stars are making it. Vegas, New York. Like all those teams at the top are in. They're not going to fall off. That's why that stat is so skewed. But they need to do something here. Like they are genuinely drowning right now. They are fifth worst in the league points percentage wise only ahead of columbus edmonton chicago and san jose like this is bad <laughs> it's kind of funny when you look at those five teams and it's like three of them you're like yeah i expect to okay. see it and then the other two you're like what the fuck are you what doing the hell, what the hell is happening right now with these two <laughs> what do you do you don't belong here you don't belong here but i i honestly think if like how hot is dean evison's heat right seat right now i think we were talking about this last episode it's got a be getting a little hot it's gonna be if if it gets worse here if they genuinely can't turn this around honestly i think they like him enough that i think if if they win a couple of games he might make it to christmas or new year's like if they don't win their next five games he's gone like that's, that's just how coaching works but if they are not even close to a playoff spot by christmas or new year's i think they could pull the trigger on that i think they could too but yeah i mean the wild i I guess it's just gone unnoticed by me just how bad they've been this season so far. Because I, I think I just kind of wrote it off as like, oh, they're going to be fine. It's the start yeah. of the season. And then you're slowly starting to get to it now. It's not the start of the season anymore. And they've still only won five games. Right. They have they actually have the second least wins. If we had a proper system, they'd be the second worst team behind San Jose. Because the, Black <laughs> the Blackhawks, the Oilers, and the Blue Jackets all have six wins. The Wild only have five. Yeah. It's tough, man. It's tough to be the wild. And it just couldn't happen to a – couldn't feel even worse than a great fan base like Minnesota just having to watch this. It's just tough scenes, man. Yeah, tough scenes. You know, could not happen to a, a better city and a better fan base than the Minnesota yeah. Wild. This this does not come from a point of sympathy. No. It's like, fuck you guys. It, it's it's more just I, – I feel – I think we wanted to predict them to miss the playoffs, but then we looked at how bad the central was. And it's like, there's no way they missed the playoffs. Like this oh. team still has Caprice off. Like they're good. And they've just been bad. Caprice off is still a phenomenal player, but he's not playing like the top 10 player. He has the past two years. It's almost like you do want to ask, like how good is Kirill Caprice off? Like, is he in that upper echelon or is he just very, very good? I think he's very, very good. I consider him and like Mitch Marner the same type of players. Right. But can Mitch Marner carry a team? Absolutely. Alone. Not. Like are we are we in that category? I think that's a little rash judgment, but it's it's trending that way. Cause they're kind of built for Kaprizov to be a top, not even top ten, like the way their cap situation is, it's for Kaprizov to be top five. Oh, yeah. It, it's for him to be on McKinnon and McCarr level. Right. To be a genuine MVP candidate, because going into last season, I predicted him to win the heart with yeah. how this roster was structured. And he was still very, very good last year before he ended up getting hurt. And this year, there's less talent 
on this team now. They need him to be exceptional, and he's just he's been fine. He's elite. There's no question about that, but he's not McKinnon, McCarr-esque where he's in that upper echelon and can carry by himself. Yeah, I, I think you could even put Rantanen ahead of him now too. I I would very comfortably take Nico yeah. Rantanen. Yeah, so while they're struggling, um, what, what we kind of alluded to in this game, the Avs, the score should have been much more skewed towards the Avs because I thought the Avs played phenomenal in this game. Just a couple bonehead moves like cost them the, this game to be close because you look at it, I thought Georgiev was phenomenal in this game. Oh, yeah. And the two chances that beat him are just off blatant mistakes by the Avs. Yeah, blatant boneheaded mistakes. And this is going to be a theme of the episode. I, I think Georgiev's back. I think he's been back for a couple of games. Just sometimes the results haven't been there. Like the Nashville game, he was great. He got demolished and hung out to dry. Vancouver, exceptional, huge saves. Minnesota, not the greatest save percent, still over 900. Huge saves in the third period. Like the kind of saves you weren't getting. Whereas like, right. yeah, those are mistakes. Those are breakdowns you do want your goalie to save some of them. And that's what happened. There were some breakdowns. The Wild had some chances and your goalie stopped them. And that makes a big difference. That's why the Az were losing some games where you just need your goalie to make some saves. He made, I think the save of the game was that one where he robbed Eric Sinek on the back door. Uh, and that was a save. phenomenal save. And he made a couple big saves on the goal line where there was just muck in front of him and he kept the puck out. And the Avs were great defensively, I'd say, for 40 minutes of this game total. There were like there was a good 20-minute stretch where you're like, what the fuck are we doing here, guys? Defensively. Like should we be worried about Paul Byram? This is something I maybe wanted to talk about later, but we can talk about it now. And we probably should mention something else first because it does very much tie into the Byram yeah. conversation. Is coming into this game. Sam Gerrard had missed the last game and we were told it was for, for personal reasons. And it was revealed today that Sam Gerrard will be entering the, the player assistance program and will be unavailable for an indefinite period of time. That is the statement from the league that was released. And I was content and satisfied to leave it at that. I didn't feel like we needed to know anymore. I didn't feel like we deserved to need to know anymore. It's an entirely private matter. However, Sam Gerard did release a statement through CAA Hockey, and the statement reads as such. I have made a proactive decision to take care of my mental health and will be entering treatment for severe anxiety and depression that has gone untreated for too long and led to alcohol abuse. Taking care of your mental health is of the utmost importance, and I encourage everyone to speak up and seek help should you feel like you need it. I want to express my gratitude to my wife, family, friends, the club, my teammates, and the fans for their patience, understanding, and continued support. So Sam Gerard is going to be unavailable to the team for an indefinite period of time. And before we say anything else about this, I want to make it extraordinarily clear that we wish him absolutely nothing but the best. And to go and make that decision takes a lot of courage. And it takes a certain level of self-awareness. And I I think it is great. It's a very mature response from him. Um, I've talked about my mental health before online. I mean, I, I, I struggle with it as well. I take an antidepressant every day. I mean, I'm not ashamed to admit it. I, I need help with it. And 
it, that's the dangerous part of if you don't get help, it can lead to worse problems. And for Sam, it was alcohol. Um, it, back in my day before I was getting help, it was marijuana. So when you find the help and you get help, it can eventually lead to you starting to feel better. Because here's the thing about mental health and anxiety and depression. It never goes away. It never does. You're always going to live with it. You just have to find ways to combat it. You have to find ways to figure out how you can live each day and make each day the best. And I know Sam will get probably the best help a person can get through the NHLPA. Um, I gave a lot of shout outs to the doctors I met with, and they got me on a regimen that helps me function as a normal human being. It is very important that you tackle it and you tackle it early. And all I can say is Sam Gerard is hats off to you, my friend. And I, I wish you nothing but the best. It's, I can't imagine being a professional athlete in the world and seeing everyone and everything you do criticized by everyone. I think that would only magnify the issues. Um, and it's just, it's always good to have these moments where you realize these athletes are just normal human beings. They're just really good at something. Like they are really good at a certain activity and to see them be a normal human being. And it happens to even these guys, it happens to them. It happens to everyone. So you need to make sure you take care of yourself. Um, I've talked about it before. If you're going through a hard time, don't be afraid to reach out to people. Like that, that, that is the biggest thing is reach out to people. There's tons of support available. Um, and I, I, I can say nothing but good things about Sam Gerard doing this because he's going to live a better life after hockey from this. He's going to learn lifelong skills. And I just wish him nothing but the best. Take your time, however long it takes for you to get back. I don't even really care if you come back this year. Like all that matters is that you as a person is better. So kudos to Sam Gerard. I have nothing but positive things to say about it. I think what the NHL has done recently with this assistance program is one of the better things they've done in a long time. Um, we've seen like four or five players go into it. Yeah. And, and for all myriad of different reasons. Right. And it, it's one of those things where you just have to remember these are human beings who go through the same day-to-day -day shit that we go through. So kudos to Sam Gerard. Kudos to the abs, kudos to the NHL for realizing we need to, we don't want these players living in hell. We want them to live normal lives. So I, I'll leave it on that. Um, I, I just wish Sam nothing but the best. Yeah. And I'm, I'm very glad to see that we are starting to break down a lot of these barriers surrounding problems with, with men's mental health and the stigma surrounding it, especially like you mentioned with professional athletes and especially in a sport like hockey, where a lot of the mindset is all about being tough and gutting it out and just being a man, be a man about it. And I'm glad to see that there are systems in place to, to help with things like this. And like you said, if you are suffering through problems or know people who are, it's important to say something. It is important to get help. And I'll leave it at this because I think there's only so much you can say about a personal matter for Sam Gerard at a certain point. Reach out to people. You don't, you don't know what people are going through at a time like this because you watch Sam Gerard this season. I thought he's been really good. I thought mm -hmm. he's looked really solid. I thought he even took a step defensively, took a step as a player. You don't know what people are going through every day. Just be kind to people, reach out to the people you love. And if you feel like you need help, there's, there's nothing wrong with you for needing that. You are a human being, you are normal, and you deserve help. 
There's a lot of people, I do it to myself at times where I feel like I don't deserve it. I need to be a man. I need to be better. I need to be stronger. I need to be tougher. No. It's so weird that we do that because I'm the same way. I'm the same way. Like you have to realize you need help. So go get help. It's there's tons of places that, that you can go to get help. And I just echo Griffin's point. Reach out to your friends, reach out to your family, make sure you're checking in with them. Um, and yeah, I, I think we can leave it at that unless you had anything else other than Sam Gerard, we, you're, you're in our thoughts and prayers, man. And uh, hopefully you get the help you need. Yeah. And as I want to echo your, your last point as we slowly transition off of a tough topic of, I really don't care how long it takes. I also don't think it's any of our business how long Ooh. it takes. I don't want to hear any speculation about a timeline about he'll be back in a month or two or three. He will be back when he's back. He will be back when the player assistants, doctors, and the treatment deems him fit to go back to playing professional hockey. There is no timeline. This is not a broken bone. These all take different amounts of time for different people. And he will be back when he's back. And I am perfectly content to move ahead on the season with or without Sam Gerrard while he gets the help that he needs and to take as much time as he needs. Yeah. I, I think that's the biggest thing is it's, I, I'm hoping this is the last time we talk about it for a while, because that means he's getting the help he needs. And like you said, he comes back when he's ready. Yeah. When he's also, ready. Like I just, I want to emphasize that the fact that we even got that from Gerard, he didn't have to do that. He did not have to do that. This is none of our business, none whatsoever. The fact that he felt the need to do that is just a credit to Sam Gerard. That is not the expectation ever. This is his business. This is something for him. This is not our business. I don't want speculation about it. When we talk about it again, we will be talking about Sam Gerard coming back. Yes. I don't want to put any unnecessary speculation or anything along those lines. I just simply hope he gets everything that he needs and comes back to playing hockey healthy and happy that's all that's all that matters I'm, I'm looking forward to the whenever he does come back that'll be a fun day so um we'll try and pivot the best we can from a very serious topic right. back to a little bit we, kind of, we kind of pivoted very hard onto it so we can kind of yeah. pivot hard back on yeah we're gonna pivot hard back and the question i asked you before that um thing with sam gerard with the sam gerard news going on how concerned are you with bo byram because <sighs> He he has moments of brilliance and then moments of what the fuck are you doing, dude? Like, I think that's the best way to describe it. There's just seems to be like he is taking a step backwards in terms right. of his decision making. And I think there is concern there, especially with the penalties he's had in the last couple of games. He's also shown flashes of being really good. He had one in this game, setting up the Ross Colton goal in the first period with the the drop pass on the backhand but also there's there just seems to be a gap in his decision making right now and with Sam Gerrard out indefinitely that puts Bo Byram in a very increased role on the penalty kill first and foremost and he struggled mightily with that in this game and it just puts more pressure on him that you need more from him because you're starting to get to that point with Bo that the grace period starts to go where it's yeah. been a couple of years. He's, he's held over the games now, right? Yeah. I believe, I believe he should be at this point. Cause he's only, he only missed like one, right? Yeah. 
He should be at 100, if not a little bit over. I want to make I want to make sure we're right on that before I go ahead and say he's played 100 games. He has played 109 games okay. at this point, where he is still very young. I do want to totally preface this conversation with he is 22 and younger than I am, <laughs> which is still weird for me to. Yeah, how weird is that feeling? Yeah, Welcome to the still, club, man. <laughs> still feels weird. He started the season pretty poorly where he looked like he was struggling out of the gates and for a couple of games looked like he got a lot of his swagger back and looked like the Byram we were expecting. And over the last couple of games, it looks like the confidence has left again. And he just looks a little hesitant making decisions and then will make the wrong decision sometimes. And then just sometimes just mistakes. He fucks up like everyone else. I think it is a balance of he is young. He is 22 and started his career young, but he also started it so well. And there was the, I think when he is out for so long, you start to build up this legend in your mind of when Bo is healthy and you finally get him healthy for a full 82 games. What's that going to look like? And I am very guilty of this. Dude, we're all guilty of it. Like we just, we just remember that postseason run where it was, he was just as good as Kale McCart. I mean, that's a little drastic, but he was he was a top four defenseman in that. He was phenomenal. And now we're coming back down to earth and he's been struggling a little bit. Yep. And, you know, you look at his health and the stuff he suffered with with the concussions in the past and you build up that legend in your mind of when Bo is healthy, what's that going to look like? Because he's looked so good when he's been healthy. And you're starting to get to that point where there's not a lot of insulation for him, especially with Gerard being out of the lineup and Eric Johnson now being gone is like, as the defense core slowly changes the role for him increases. So do expectations. And I believe he's, clear cut number, three now. he's yeah. the clear cut number three. Yeah. He is, is McCarr, Taze, Bo Byram. He is going to get those minutes. He's going to get power play time. He's going to get time on the penalty kill. I think there is still, some growth that needs to be had. And I think it's still going to happen for him. I think he's going to get those opportunities and he's going to learn from a lot of these mistakes, but it's a, it is a painful process sometimes where you have a game like he's had over the last little bit where he's shooting the puck over the glass on a penalty kill where you're putting yourself in a five. Yeah. And then and then takes another penalty. He's got four penalty minutes on the night. When then after the the puck over the glass, they kill off the five on three, but they score on the eventual power play that would have been over if not for that penalty. And all of a sudden that game's tied. It shifts the momentum. You know, it's just it comes with being a younger player and expectations being increased that you don't have a lot of places to hide. And it's just the kind of thing you just got to work through it. There's no magical next game he's going to be better it's just got to be you grow as a player you grow as a person yeah and i i think he'll get there like i'm not not giving up hope on Bo byram i think it's just been a little um i think we just set the expectations so high for him it's been a little underwhelming so far right and it's it'll come with time but he's he's gonna have some big shoes to fill with sam being out he's gonna have some big shoes to fill and we'll have to see if he can continue to do it because yeah that's two straight games where he's given the team a five on three the opposing team a five on three and it's just going to be interesting because i you're looking now at our second power penalty kill it's jack johnson and josh manson 
rotating yeah. in Byram. That's not great. That's not great. You need and more. You need more. I, I thought Manson was okay tonight. Like he he falls over a lot. Have you noticed that? He does, he does he falls fall. Over. He falls over a lot, a lot yeah. of the time. Like I was watching him. I'm like, he falls a lot. And it's it's just going to be it's what we kind of feared with this team defensively is it's not very deep and you have injuries and you have outside circumstances you can't control this D isn't very deep. It's not. So it's going to be interesting. I, I think just our expectations for Byron are coming back down to where they probably should have been all along. Yep. And you just, you got to give room for the guy to grow as a player while he, this is not his first season in the NHL. He's not a rookie. But he is also still 22. There has to be a balance of both where Bo needs to be better. We need more consistency from him. We need smarter decision-making from him. We all know the skills there. We see You even see it in this game. Even in a game he's not very good, he still picks up that primary assist on the opening goal because he is a talented skater with great puck movement. But adjusting to the NHL level and this kind of role, when your name is not Kale McCarr, it tends to be very hard for people to do. And... It is going to come for him. Kale still makes mistakes. Kale still makes bad decisions at times. Devontae's makes mistakes. They yeah. all make mistakes. They're all going to make mistakes. The fact that Bo has already played such a significant role at the NHL and been an important part of a Stanley Cup winning team and has all this talent is being relied on, that is only going to set him up for more success later in his career as he gets into his athletic prime at 24, 25, 26 years old. Having already played these roles and having that experience is only going to make him better down the line. But there are going to be points here in the development process because it is still a development process where the mistakes are still going to happen. How great is it? Now that you know, like what's going on with Byram, that his development's taking a little bit longer. That you locked up Devon Dave. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, does that, imagine, imagine if you still did not have that done right now, and Byram, I, I think he's going to get way better as the season goes on. He's, yes. he's going to be on a completely different trajectory by the time we hit game eighty-two. But for the sake of conversation, imagine Byram just kind of struggles this year, yeah. and Taze walks in free agency, and now all of a sudden you you just don't feel great. About yeah. defense anymore because Manson's kind of been a roller coaster, especially with a couple of injuries, and you don't really have major things in the pipeline co- coming. Me, but that's why you feel yep. good about locking up Taze. Yep, that's why I, you really couldn't afford to let that happen. Yep. So it, it feels good. I think Bo, like you said, he's he's gonna come. He's gonna figure it out. It's just been it's been a rough twenty games for him to start. It's been a rough start for him. I think he'll bounce back. Um, let's talk about a player who just continues well, to be. I, I do want to cut you off because we do have a quote from Dean Evison, uh, okay, essentially Seriously. accusing the Avalanche of diving in this game, and that's why they lost this game. Because you know, the, I'll read the exact quote word for word, tweeted by by Michael Russo. The penalties first. It's hard, right? Our sticks are there on a lot of the penalties, but there's a lot of big men that fall down. Billy. Bill Guerin, general manager of the Minnesota Wild. We just talked about it. I don't get the diving anymore. I don't get it in today's game. It's a different game. So I guess I got to stop thinking like that. We just talked about it. He's fucking talking in circles here. But guy gets boxed out and he falls on his backside. One of the biggest, strongest guys, one of the best skaters in the world, falls down twice too, very clearly referring to Kale McCarr. Do we teach diving 
You don't want to do that. Doesn't seem right for the game. So it's frustrating in that matter. So it's great for Minnesota Wild fans to know that while on a six-game losing streak, he's blaming it on diving of other teams and not anything that they can do better. Those are the post-game comments of a man who knows he's about to get fired. Those are the post-game <laughs> comments of a man who does not know the problems of his team. No. And like he's talking to Bill Guerin about it. That's actually the worst thing that could have come up for Wild fans. They're in fucking cahoots. They agree on this matter. <laughs> So he's not getting fired. These are two people that just fundamentally do not understand what the fuck is wrong with their team. No, it's just funny because I do. I hate that interference call. Like, I, I know it benefits the abs. I think it's one of, like, I think that and the, the delay of game penalty are the stupidest penalties we have in the HL. Like, I agree with what he's saying. That shouldn't be a penalty, but they've set the precedent that that's a penalty now. Right? And also, Kale- like, and to be fair, Kale gets that penalty five times a year. Yeah. Like it's, it's part of the game. Sadly, I think it's a stupid call. I, I really do, but it, it, it's one of those ones. Cause we talked about when Kale it happened, what is he supposed to do? Like, what is Kale supposed to do? Like it, it, it encourages players to crash into each other. Cause you know, you're going to get the interference, you know, and at least they call it consistent. Yeah. It's not just a made up penalty. I think it, I agree. It's a fucking stupid penalty, yeah. but at least they kind of call it consistently, which right. is my biggest problem with the league. But I'm, we just got that comment right now. It just got retweeted by, I think, Peter. Yeah, I saw it. I, I was scrolling Twitter and I saw it too. That, just, that is funny. I'd look at that. I'm just like, you are just fucking clueless, man. I mean, no wonder his team's a bunch of crybabies. This is what I talk about with Dean Evison. The guy feeds the worst parts of this team, the whining and the victim complex. He leads a lot of it. And that's why this team in the playoffs can't beat teams because they're so emotional and that's why right now they're stuck in a slump because like it's not our fault everyone's diving what are we supposed to do about it maybe we don't need to be better it's everyone else's fault the league needs to be fixed you're a fucking baby gives a temper tantrum type of vibe to the team Uh, like for a guy like he just is constantly having little mini tantrums on the bench. Remember that thing against the Jets last year? He was like telling Rick Bonus, like, come fight him. Everyone's like, oh, he's so tough. I'm like, that just looks stupid. You look like a moron. He's, yeah. Yeah. That's, there wasn't diving going on. I mean, the Wild dove like three or four times in this game. Well, the you, want talk about, you want to talk about diving in this game, but yeah. Like, it, it was, that cracks me up. Um, God damn, Dean Evanson, you are just a national treasure. Maybe it's just a Minnesota thing to be bitchy and whiny. Yeah, but he fits right in. He's the perfect coach for him. Yeah, he does. He does. Um, but let's let, let's talk about a guy who has been playing really well. Um, Valachushkin just continues to score goals, man. Six-game goal streak. Gets another power play goal from Nathan McKinnon. This one he scored off his shin, so that's still a goal for him. But Val has filled in for Lecky very nicely through and this brief sample size. When you're hot, you're hot. Right. When you're scoring goals, it really doesn't matter how you're scoring them. He has carved out a beautiful little slot for himself on the power play, right in the that front office of the net, and he is just doing a, a Joe Pavelski-esque job in front, yeah. deflecting pucks. He's doing it perfectly. Like he he's is always in the right place. He, he's been so damn good, and this is we're getting close to where Val was before all the injuries happened last year. We're getting close. I I, I want to say he's back, but he's getting close and the confidence is there for him. And Val is very much a confidence-based player when it comes to the goal scoring, at least the effort, you never have to question with him, but when it comes to goal scoring and he's feeling it, he's fucking feeling it, man. Yeah. I, it's just, 
not going to sustain. Obviously, no. he's not going to score every single game for the rest of the season, but he's getting himself into the right places on the power play and right place, right time. Yeah, it's not going to stick around this way, but there's going to be a bunch more of those still this season. Like, there's really only so much you can do as a defense when someone's just really good at deflecting pucks perfectly into the net. There's not really a thing you can do to stop that other than putting a guy on him, which opens up the rest of the power play. And so it just it adds another weapon to this power play that before this really started getting utilized was struggling a lot and is really starting to, to juice our power play numbers again. But yeah, Val's you can't you can never question his effort. And now the the results are behind him. He's up to, to nine goals on the season. He's got eight in eight games. Tied for seventh in the league right now. Crazy, like a couple episodes ago, talk about how Val needs to get it going. He's going. Got it going. Dude, Nikita Kucherov has 35 points. What the fuck? He had a huge, I don't even know how many points he had in this game against Carolina where they scored eight goals on 14 shots. Literally more goals went in than saves for Carolina. But yeah. That's very funny. Wow, good good for Nikita Kucherov quietly just dominating. Um, Yeah, he's been great for a while. Um but yeah, I mean, shout out Val. He's playing phenomenal. Oh my god, he had six points. He had six points in this game. Oh my that god, helps, that helps juice the stats a little bit. Holy shit, that's crazy. Who has him? In, I think I'm playing against him in fantasy this week. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, I am. Oh, I am. How many points did he get in this game, like fantasy wise? In our league, he got forty five. That's ridiculous. Oh my yeah. god. Yeah. Anyway, getting back getting back on topic, but that is ridiculous. Yeah, that sucks for me. Um, but yeah, it, it's more I, I'm really I'm really excited for Val. He's playing well. Hey everybody, hope you've been enjoying this episode so far. Interrupting to bring you a word from our sponsor at DraftKings Sportsbook. Football is back in full swing with another week of epic games, and who's got you covered on the action for every single one of them? DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. New customers can bet $5 on football and get $200 instantly in bonus bets when you sign up. Best of all, nobody's going to be missing out on any of the actions this season because all DraftKings customers can take advantage of two new offers every single game day this September. So what are you waiting for? Get in on the NFL Week 2 action with DraftKings Sportsbook. Download the app now and use code THPN to sign up. New customers can bet just $5 and take home 200 instantly in bonus bets only on DraftKings Sportsbook with code THPN. The crown is yours. Now, back to the episode. And then we kind of talked about this a little bit, and then we'll move on to the Vancouver game. You, you preluded to it. Georgiev has been really good these past couple of games. Really good. Yeah, he's he's been great. He's been back, like I said, for at least a couple of games at this point. Makes huge saves against Vancouver that keeps the Avs ahead and makes big saves late to really keep them in it. And in this game against Minnesota, the the first goal, I think he probably could have had that one it's a very it's a tricky puck to get a hold of i don't hate it second one nothing you can do i i think it's more like if tuffy doesn't turn that puck over it's not even a question of if that's if that's a save 
My, that, that's my thought process on it. Um, but he, he was really good in this game. We talked about the save on Erickson Eck already, but he, he's getting back to the Georgiev we saw earlier in the year and his confidence is coming back. I, I don't think he, there's no chance he plays tonight against the flames, right? No, no, no shot. I mean, that, that, that was, is overworking him at that point. Yeah. You need to give pros with Tavor and a shot in net again. Yeah. And I mean, he both teams come off the back to back. Yeah. It, it makes sense. Yeah. When like in this game against Minnesota, he has a nine Oh five against Vancouver. He had a nine thirty one against Nashville. If it wasn't for that meltdown, he would have had over a 900 again. And against Dallas, he just finishes below 900. Yeah, he gave up three, but again, made big saves in that game to keep the abs in it enough to go and have that comeback. Yeah, he struggled for a little bit. And the the Ducks game, that's a fluke. The two goals were perfect. There's nothing he could do. Well, the abs played so good defensively, he only faced like, what, 15 shots? Yeah, he faced 17 shots in the game, and the two that beat him were just the only two good plays the Ducks made the entire night. Yeah, he struggled for a little bit. There was a couple of games after Seattle, or yeah, after that first Seattle game, or Chicago game where he had the shot, he struggled for really a good month before they played the last game against the Kraken. And since then... He's been good. He's been yeah. really good. It's really frustrating when you look at this Avs team because if they don't have that meltdown against uh, Nashville, they're on a six-game win streak right now. Yep. You just <laughs> you're they're casually on a heater with just one of the most historic collapses in yes. history. We didn't see the stat until after we finished recording that that's only happened twelve times in NHL history, where you give up the tying goal and the winning goal with under a minute left. You put sandwich between the fucking spectacular performances is that but you cut that out and they've been great five to six man um i don't think i have anything else about this wild game any other like thoughts you have on the game other than i, I thought it was a good win turnovers killed them this game probably should have been a lot easier than it was but a win's a win man you win, a win is a win you go on the road to minnesota these are tricky games especially yep. a team like minnesota a big rival who has expectations is on a losing streak those are tricky you Very. get a 2-0 goal and you did exactly what you're not supposed to do you let them back in it and you make dumb mistakes and they're fully back in it it's tied and you had to have someone come up and make a play and they curtis mcdermott is the guy that goes and does it and your goalie helps you towards the end of the game and you you go out there and you get a win. You you take care of business. You know this this game would have sucked to lose. It would have sucked oh, a lot, but they didn't. Broke. It, they didn't. They took care of business and they won this game. That's really all you can ask for. Sometimes over the course of an eighty two game season, some of them are going to be ugly. Yeah, this was an ugly win, but a win's a win. Another two points in the column. Um, yeah, just clean up the mistakes, man. Like if this team figures out a way to just not even clean up all the mistakes, but clean up like. 85% of them, they're going to win a lot of fucking hockey games because the offensive talent's there. It's just the mistakes have been killing them lately. Um, and they'll get it going. But I'm good on the wild game if you want to move on to the Canucks game. Yeah, uh, the Canucks game. Uh, one of the most confusing games I've watched in my life. Like, we're not gonna we're not going to do our usual recap of anything. But obviously the big thing coming into this game, Kale McCarr versus Quinn Hughes. And, you know, I didn't even think about this till we were in the game, you know, Nathan McKinnon versus Elias Patterson, some elite matchups. And it's such a shame that it devolved into Pierre Lambert ref show. This is one of the worst officiated games I have 
ever Dude, seen. I had almost let that escape my memory of how bad that second period was. It, it ruined the hockey game. There was no second period in this game. Yeah. There is it, an entire third of this game that did not happen because officiating ruined it. There was no flow. There was nothing. It completely upset the balance of the game. I think for context, what did they say on the broadcast? It was like eight minutes of like not five on five hockey in that second period. Yeah, just eight straight minutes of killing a penalty, four on four power play. It was absolutely ridiculous. The, the officiating in this league, it's getting worse. It's genuinely it's, getting worse. It's hard to say because it was bad before. So it, it, like, man, the bar was so low. Because this is not an abs thing. Like I've, I watch a lot of hockey. It's kind of yes. my thing. In the Caps games, it's been awful. In other games I've been watching, like the, that one with the – there was one with the Rangers a little while ago where it's like the puck was clearly in the net even before the whistle blew, and they're still saying it's no goal. And then there was one with the Ducks. That's just the one I couldn't think of. It clearly is in the net. There, like you can even see it, but I guess it's not 100% definitive, but there's nowhere else that puck can be. It's in the net. They say no goal. The Ducks lose by a goal. It's getting worse. And then this game, in the third period, there are one, two, three, four, five, six, seven separate penalties in this period, not even counting the five-minute game misconduct on Josh Manson, which is bar none. This is not alliteration or exaggeration or anything. The worst ejection ever that I yes. have ever seen because it's... Nowhere close to, I you can okay two minutes cross checking fine I still don't like it. You're throwing him out. Get the fuck out of here. That was the craziest ejection I have ever seen in my life. It, it's it we never got an explanation for it, and like it it what were they looking at in the review? Because the review it's not even like who was the player who got was it was it Magipani for. Calgary who literally like just cross-checked a dude's neck into the ice. Yeah, like that's what I consider like a cross-check worthy of an ejection. Like Ross Colton got kicked out for a cross-check to Timo Meyer. That one was far more egregious. Like I, yes. even though I didn't agree with Colton getting kicked out, that I understand it because he cross-checked him in the face. This one was like, if you didn't get to watch, like Brock Besser and Josh Manson are tied up in front. Josh Manson's not even looking at Brock Besser. And Besser puts his face into Josh Manson's stick. And then goes down in a pile of cards. We, like, we, we want to talk about diving. Yeah. yeah. This it, is an Olympic worthy performance. Like he, he, he fucking, it looked like he, he got fucking like, it looked like what Ross Colton did to Timo Meyer. And you watch a replay and it's like, he ran into a stick. Like it, and the worst part was is Besser got called for a penalty on the play too. Right, so Besser initiated the entire thing. He right. cross-checks Manson first because he doesn't like how he's getting boxed out. Josh Manson's not even looking at him, and apparently it's his fault that Brock Besser is short, and Besser, like, gets tapped. To call this a cross-check is a stretch at best. He got tapped in the face and shatters into a million pieces and falls to the ice. And then they review it and give Besser a penalty, and then they're still reviewing it for something? They reviewed it for a long time. This took five minutes. I was like, are they looking for blood or something? Yeah. They throw Manson out of the game. 
it's one of the most baffling things I've seen. And this is after they gave the abs three straight penalties where yeah. one of them, Miko Rantanen, a trip on Dakota Joshua. I thought that was ticky tacky. Byron put the puck over the glass. That was delay again. Okay. Val Nachushkin, the trip on Thatcher Demko. Demko is in a different zip code out of his crease. Val is actively trying to avoid contact. Demko is not. He clips the back of his skates. I don't think he dove. I think he got his he got his skates kicked and he fell. To call that a trip, Val, I think his expression said everything on this play. He's looking at him like, really? What do you want from me here? What am I supposed to do about this? He's a mile out of his crease. I didn't like that one. And then on this power play, they throw Josh Manson out of the game for that. And I think the thing that makes me even the most upset is not that the fact that the Canucks scored on the four on four. It's the fact that the refs knew this call was wrong. So they called two more penalties on the Canucks to make up for it. I can, I, yeah, it's a bad call. You fucked up, get out of the way of the game. If you just don't call that and allow the game to happen, we're all having more fun, but now they didn't have to kill off any of that penalty because four of it was penalties on Vancouver. You don't even believe your own call. You yeah. know you fucked it up, and now you're still managing the game. It, it it was just the worst period of hockey I've ever watched. And, yeah, my favorite thing is Josh Manson in the box. Like, we got that clip of Josh Manson. Like, that is going to be a great clip for future reference. I'm going to use that later on when Josh Manson does something good. Um, like, even Brock Besser was laughing in the penalty box because he, he, he knew he dove. He yeah. knew he dove. He knew like, he dove, too. Yeah, like, it, it was – it took away that second period from what I thought was a really good hockey game between two really good teams. This game ruled the buildup to the game ruled the narrative around the game genuinely ruled like Hughes versus McCarr is a fun little thing going on. The first period kicked ass. What a great period. And then the second period did not happen. It was erased. And then the third period tie game, the abs pulled away with it late. I thought it was a strong game. I enjoyed two thirds of this game. I cannot forgive officials for stepping in and making this game about them. This this pissed me off to know nothing in this league boils my blood more than this. When officials make the game about them, where it's like, I'm making bad calls. I'm stepping in, giving one team an advantage. Now I need to spend the next half of this period making more bad calls and just butchering the flow of this game for game management if you just did your job right we would not have to be here would not have to be here um my my biggest takeaway from this game is the canucks have been very lucky this year but i also think they're just a good team i i I think this is a good hockey team Uh, do i think they're cup worthy no do i think that quinn hughes and elias pedersen and jt miller can keep up this hot streak no but i i do think they're a good hockey team yeah, like, they're good to, you got to be you got to be good to be lucky, to right? Then, like, like, yeah, they're on an insanely high PDO bender, but you do have to have good players who know right. how to shoot to have a good shooting percentage. I think this game kind of illustrated what the Canucks are: is that they can hang in these games, but when it's going to start to get tough against better teams as it gets on they're not going to be able to win a lot of those games. They're going to make the playoffs. I think if they end up playing the Kings or Vegas in round one, they're, they're going to get beat up pretty bad, but it's still fun. 
and they made for a, a fun game here. But I think we can also acknowledge that Kale McCarr is the best defenseman in the league. And to continue to just put a new contender in every fucking year and be like, this guy is the best stop. It's not because it, the fact that it's never this guy versus another guy, it's always Kale McCarr versus whoever is the new hot thing this year is Roman Yossi. It's Adam Fox. And now it's Quinn Hughes again. It's always someone going up against Kale as the best defenseman, but the constant is always Kale. I, I think that's what shows that he is the best because there's constant people trying to take exactly. the throw. Right. Because when McCarr does something, you're not looking at it like, oh, he's just so much better than Quinn Hughes. When Quinn Hughes or Adam Fox does something or anyone does something, he's like, oh, he's clearly so much better than Kale McCarr. The fact that you're making the comparison, that's your go-to, shows right. that Kale is the best. Right. I, I think it's more of a compliment when, when that happens. So Kale McCarr in this game was... Kale McCarr. He was phenomenal. And Quinn Hughes was good in this game, too. He made a couple plays where I was like, damn, Quinn, I didn't know you had that in your bag. He's been a phenomenal defenseman this year. He's definitely top five right now. Right. Again, it, like, I, you got to reiterate, it's not an insult to not no. be Kale McCarr. You can be elite and not be one of the best defensemen to ever step on the ice. Yeah. Like he's, Quinn Hughes has been phenomenal this year. He made a couple plays in that game where I was like, damn, Quinn Hughes, good for you, man. Um, but he's not Kale McCarr, and Kale McCarr showed you why he's Kale McCarr in this game. He ended up with two points in this game. Yeah, he had two points in the game. He had the assist on the Jonathan Drouin goal that made it two to one, and then he had the breakaway goal that put the game away. That was such a great play by him. I don't know about you, but before that goal happened, when McKinnon blocked that shot, I was like, oh, fuck, he just broke his foot. And that, that fear got spread when you found out he went to the x-ray room. We went to Thanksgiving, nothing. And then we come to morning skate today, and he's not there. And it's like, fuck, he broke his foot. He broke his he broke foot. He's out for the rest of the season. Yeah. like uh, That's initially where your thoughts go. Um, as you all know, if you've been listening, he was fine. He, he played against Minnesota. But that, that's where my thought went. And then you look and it's like, <laughs> I had to do that double take. It's like, oh, fuck, McKinnon's still shaking off that foot. And you're like, oh, wait, Kill McCarr's breakaway. Like, did you have any doubt in your mind that he was not going to score? Because I did. Like, once I saw him, he had the breakaway. I was like, yeah, this is cool. It was too perfect. It yeah. was like it, this situation in this game come on there's no way he's not putting this puck in the back of the net it's too perfect to be a save right here of course he's gonna score and he right, did and they needed that because they were on their heels in that third period the Canucks really good. that third period i mean riley tufty has his first goal as an av on that deflection of the miles wood shot and for the next 10 minutes it was kind of all vancouver and then you got a little bit of pushback and kale just gets separation and he can't do that. He can't give him that kind of time. It was a great play on JT Miller, too. And JT Miller had no chance of catching him. No chance. There, there was no JT Miller defending Kale McCarr is not fair. Like that, that is a mismatch to end mismatches. It was a mismatch to him. And when he gets that breakaway, gets two points. He sadly had his points streak broken tonight against Minnesota. I don't think he had any points, right? He did, he did not. Devontae's had the, the assist on the Nachushkin goal. Yeah. So, I mean, his point streak's broken, damn. Um, it, was, it wasn't just a point streak. It was a multi-point streak. Yeah. Of, he was and I talked about that. Is, is it crazy to say, I mean, obviously now, like, you, you look at it, what Kucherov's doing. I had no idea he was doing that. He's probably clearly the MVP right now, front runner with the Art Ross and all that stuff. Um, but I don't think it's crazy to say that McCarr's playing his way where he could be in that conversation if the season go, keeps going the way it's going. 
I don't think it's could be in the conversation. I think he is. I think it's just straight up is in the heart conversation right now with what he's doing this season. It's I think my ballot Kucherov with how the lightning have been and kind of struggling a bit Kucherov granted six point night, very much bias and having Vasilevsky back. He's been kind of flying under the radar for a little bit. If he keeps this up, he's going to get in that conversation, but maybe it's my bias talking, you know, there's my, there's my Stanley cup banner behind me. I'm wearing my abs hat on my abs show. I think Kale McCarr is the the my front runner right now. Because how funny would it be if he won an MVP before McKinnon? <laughs> it, would, it would be very on brand. <laughs> it would be hilarious if it happened. But I, I tweet that out, and I, I don't think it's crazy to say like he's because he's been... who who is who is going to win MVP? Like here we are, almost at the quarter mark. Who's going to win MVP? You you can't, I don't really think there has been one yet. Like, right, I mean, that's what I mean. Like, the art rocks right now, but like it's not like the Lightning are this great team this year. Like they're, they're very middle of the pack. Because that's um, what I mean. Like Kucherov just had six points, and that's right. why he's in this conversation so right now. Yeah, if he doesn't have these six points tonight, I, I probably don't even think about it. Right. So let's say this happens yesterday. We're having this conversation. Who's winning the heart? I think it's Kale. Yeah, it's between Kale, Quinn Hughes, and probably Elise Pedersen. But if you have two guys in the top three, right. Well, we've seen it with McDavid and Dreisaitl that doesn't net negate itself out like right. it did when he was there, but we won't but, get it. I mean, it, it takes one of them out of the top three, at least. It does. It does. But it, you have to go with, like, Makar has been unreal. And it's just so funny because we were talking about, like, not even two weeks ago, you're like, Kill Makar's been good, but he hasn't been Kill Makar lately. And then two weeks later, we're like, yeah, he's MVP. <laughs> that's just that's just the thing with kale is like even when he can be great and you're like there's another level with this guy and you can see it when he plays that just some things are not super crisp but he's just so good that he gets away with it and when everything does work you talk about best player in the world that's the difference where in a season where mcdavid is going to have a bounce back and get back up into the 125 point plateau probably by the end of the season you still have the conversation like, is Kale McCarr the best right now in the right. world? You you have the conversation about it. And there's only one other person in that conversation. It's Connor McDavid. There are two people in it. Yeah. It's just, it's so funny to me that he's doing that. But he clear, clearly won the battle against Quinn Hughes for this one. He'll win the battle always um, because he's better. He's better. And Quinn Hughes can be a top five defenseman. And he'll probably win a Norris eventually just because people will get voted for Teague with Kale. There was a Twitter poll before the game. I think the night before the game where I don't know if this was a Canucks account. It probably was. It was like, who is the best defenseman in the world? It was Quinn Hughes and Kale McCarr. It was 60% Quinn. And I I looked up Quinn Hughes' PDO and it was 107. Yeah. Pretty good. 17 games in, 107 PDO does nasty things to a fan base whereas oh he's now i'm cool with it it. vancouver fans haven't had a lot to celebrate go for it man like take enjoy this while it lasts like it's like you said if they match up against vegas or la in the first round they are going to get i like the kings a lot i do too they're on a nine game road winning streak right now they look really really good i did not give them any credit coming into this season they look really really good Pacific, like I, I need Vegas, LA in the second round. That series is going to be a, just a, a dogfight of a series. I mean, the Kings losses this year. Obviously, the Avs beat them in the home opener. Since then, 
They've only lost to in regulation. They've only lost to Boston and Philly. <laughs> Very random Philly loss sprinkled in there, but they they're just taking care of business. If Talbot stays good, that's a con- genuine contender. Yeah, they're good. And, they're good. But yeah, Vancouver, like enjoy it. You're gonna be a playoff team. They're gonna get smoked by Vegas or Vancouver unless they win the division and they face like a wild card team. Which who knows? It could be the Oilers. It could be. Someone else, like if they match up with Vegas or Vancouver, they're going to get smoked. Yeah, or Vegas or LA, excuse me. Yeah, and their PDO has come down a little bit, and they did. I'm currently watching the the game end against Seattle. They won that game five to one. They before that they lost three of their last four. Yeah, and one of them was to Seattle, and then they bounced back and beat Seattle. But their only win in that time was the Sharks, and they have a great game against Seattle, and they're playing the Sharks again today. By the time you're listening to this, actually because they're on a back-to-back, they're coming down a little bit. And that's fine. We, we said that was going to happen. I still think they're good enough that they. I'm not worried about them missing the playoffs. No, me either. Me either. But, yeah, they're, they're in for a war. Like, have they faced Vegas or L.A. this year yet? I don't think they have. I don't think so. They, they, played, they played Edmonton three times. Yeah, they, they beat them all three times, they right? They play Vegas in five days this Thursday. Ooh, that could be a fun one. I mean, Vegas hasn't been that great lately either, so who knows? They, who don't, knows? they don't play the Kings until February. Interesting. Yeah, and then they play them February 29th, March 5th, March 25th, and April 6th. And Vegas, they play on April 2nd and April 8th and March 7th. So this game against Vegas is their only game against either of those two teams until February. Huh. Interesting schedule. That could, be, that could be very interesting in the division race as we get on, but some weird scheduling this year. Very weird. Um, but yeah, I mean, overall, like this was a good win for the Avs. They they were a little scrambly. Um, you mentioned it, Riley Tufty gets his first. He was called up because Logan O'Connor has missed back-to-back games now with a lower – was it upper body or lower body? Lower body. Lower. Did you say lower? Yeah, lower. Uh, it's, I could not understand what you said for a second. <laughs> but uh, Logan O'Connor has missed the past two games. Um, so Riley Tufty gets called up. He gets a goal in this game. Um I just think it's not really fair to judge him too much because I think they're playing him in a role he probably shouldn't be playing in. But the thing is, he looks good in it. Like this is, <laughs> it's, it's not sustainable. But you can't really knock him all that much. I mean, yeah, you did. He had a pretty bad play that led to the. Yeah. No, I'm not. I'm not saying he's been bad, but I just think you're asking too much of the guy. Yeah, and we had the conversation about the second line already, and Thomas Tatar. Got scratched in this game against Minnesota. I imagine he's back in against Calgary, but I don't know. McDermott scored. He might stay in just because he's hot, but I don't know. Like, you have all these options. You don't want to put Tufty in that position to play right. line minutes because I love Riley Tufty. If you are playing him on the second line in the playoffs consistently, that's not going to work. That's not. It's Lars over 2.0. Yeah. Like, it's just that's not a role you can reasonably expect him to play when things get rough. And that's not a, a knock on Riley Tufty. That's just reality. Unfortunately, yeah. unless he can just unlock something that he hasn't shown, that's just not going to happen. And with Tatar, he's now the only forward on the team who does not have a goal. Now that Curtis McDermott has scored, you got to wonder if the clock might be ticking on him. And if they might try to see if they can upgrade on that and try to. I think they're going to upgrade, but no one's going to take him right now. 
it might just be the kind of thing where you include him in a deal for money purposes yep and try to sell the team taking him that you put him in big minutes and you try to sell him for another draft pick before the deadline yeah it's going to be interesting to see what happens with him there are moments with Tatar that I think he's been good it's just he hasn't found the goal scoring he has what we say like nine or ten eight or nine points like he has points yeah he's got points but I just there's nothing Thomas Tatar does that moves me Dude, I have that video of him, that guy going, dumbest to die, just waiting in my phone, ready to go when he scores a goal, ready to go. And I haven't been able to do it yet. And I hope I do, because that's going to get some great clicks, because it's just one of the greatest videos of all time. Dumbest to die. Dumbest to die. It's going to work. Um, I, I just need it to happen. But it is an interesting thing. It, it's way too early to talk about trading um, someone, but as it sits right now, if if it keeps this way, I would not be surprised if he's not on the team after the trade deadline. Yeah. I mean, this could not honestly be going worse for him. He hasn't been terrible, but everyone else has been so good. Where right. who like who are you taking out? Obviously the answer is McDermott, but when Lekkonen comes back, whenever that is, someone's coming out. How can you take Kiwi Ranta out? How do you take Olofsson out? How do you take Tufty out? I think you can take Tufty out. Maybe, but he looks good. He tries hard. He, I think for a bottom six guy, it's a lot of stuff you like. There's only so many spots to go around. I mean, this is a good problem to have in my opinion. It is, it is a good problem to have, but it's not good for Thomas Tatar. No, Ooh. not good. For, but I did not think we'd be having this conversation about Thomas Tatar as we got, as we're almost 20 games into the season. But the fact it, that we are and we're still good is yeah. a credit to all these other guys who have come in. Right. Because it's not just like, Thomas Tatar sucks and has been bad, and it's McKinnon and Rantanen that are carrying the load. It's genuinely been the depth that has pulled their weight. Yes. Thomas Tatar has not been a part of that. It's still early. We'll, yeah. we'll give him some time. But it's not good when you're getting scratched for Curtis McDermott. It's not right. good. That, that's what and, I'm and saying. Like, like, in this in this game against Vancouver, like Jonathan Durant's looked pretty good these past couple games. He got like, a goal. He's getting he, himself on the board. He's carved out a role for himself on the team that I think is way harder to scratch than Thomas Tatar. Where he at least has some kind of role on the power play where he's good at moving the puck and he has at least some chemistry. Like he goes with Ryan Johansson. They don't look awful together. No, they don't. It, it's, I, I like the way Tufty's played, but I still think you could put in Tatar over, over him. Yeah, uh, and I think they yeah. will. I think they are going to do that at a certain point, but they don't have to right now. I think they're going to rotate Tatar and McDermott, but that that is a heavy insult to Thomas Tatar that like you're getting rotated with McDermott, man. Like that, that can't happen for Thomas Tatar, a guy who is making a million and a half right now scored 20 goals last season and has scored 20 goals multiple times in his career. That is a rough spot to be in for him. Yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm still gonna hold out hope that he can turn it around. Uh, just I, because I am too. The, the thing is, is like like you said, the rest of the depth's been good. So if you get Thomas Tatar scoring, that's just another plus to this team. So it, he's going to get it going. Um, I mean, think about it. what game was he scratched for? Him and Jerome were both scratched for. Was it Seattle? Game was was that Seattle? It might have been in Seattle. I, I remember that Tatar and Drewan got scratched, and then both of them came back and they played pretty well like they had a pretty good stretch of games 
So it, it's going to be interesting. Like you said, by the time tonight, by the time you're listening to this, it could be announced that Tatar's playing against the Flames, which I would expect. Was that, him. Blue, was that the Blues game? The first Blues game? No, Tatar played in that one, I'm pretty sure. The first one? It might have been the first one. I think it is. I'm looking at the game log. I don't see either of them. I think it was that one. Okay. But yeah, they both came back and actually played pretty well after that. Yeah. So I mean, Tatar does not suck. He nope. does have seven assists. There are certain points where he looks good, but everyone else on the offense has carved out a role. Yes. Every yes. single one. Kiviranta has made a case for himself immediately, ever since well, he came on the ice for the first That's why time. I don't think you can take out him or Olison because that's they're I mean. so good on the penalty kill. That's what I mean. Like they immediately came in, made themselves useful, made themselves productive even on top of penalty kill and just making strong plays. You can't take either of them out. How can you? Riley Tufty, when he's been in, he's playing above his head clearly, but he's got himself a goal. He's got himself some, some good plays at the very least. Like I think of the three, he's the odd man out, but Tufty or Tatar. Uh, um, of Kiviranta, Olafson, and Tufty. Tufty of them is. Oh yeah, that's not a word. Them is the odd man out. Tatar has not done anything. He hasn't carved himself a role in the power play or the penalty kill, or even strength. He's just kind of the floater. Yeah, he's been there. He's been there. That, that's kind of where it's at, and we'll have to wait and see. It it, it is interesting. It, it's a problem that we wouldn't have had last year. Like <laughs> if this was last year, Tatar's playing every night. Because we had no depth, but we actually have some depth now. Um, I'm interested to see what the Avs do with him because he he is he is a 20 goal scorer. He has that in him. It's just it hasn't clicked for him yet. Here, maybe it's something with the system. Um, I don't know. I, there's just no room, and it's a tough spot to be in because even when he does come back in the lineup, there's going to be no room for him to fuck up. Right, and that's not just going to make him better. <laughs> He's going to be gripping his stick tighter. And going to see like that, that miss he had a couple of games ago, wide open net, just, just, sh- just shanked it. He's, he's gripping his stick too tight. There's a lot of pressure. And sometimes you just, you can't snap yourself out of that when you're in this position, it might genuinely be a case where he might have to go because he's just not comfortable. And there's a bunch of pressure and guys taking his job. And then he might go to like a, a really shitty team. Like, I don't know. It's the sharks and get top line minutes and still finish with like 40 points. Yeah, it's possible. Dude, I'm looking at it right now, dude. Like another guy we, we probably need to start having a conversation. Brian Johansson has not been playing a lot. He played 13 minutes against Minnesota, 11 against Vancouver, 12 against Nashville, 10 against Dallas, 15 against Anaheim. Like he, he's just the, – the, you can't sustain a second-line center with that type of minutes. Did, did the NHL site get rid of – special team time on ice yes they did okay why i wanted to look at that and be like here's how much he's playing on special teams that's just gone i guess thanks nhl well i mean and even in this game against minnesota he lost his top power play unit to to duran yeah like duran was playing a majority of the top power play minutes with him yeah i mean johansson i like that we just kind of stuck on the second line right now where they those guys they've got to start carving spots out for themselves because Joanne has kind of bounced back into playing solid power play minutes he's got himself now two goals on the season he matched his total from last year already not expecting a ton from him but like he's you know where he's going to be right 
Right. It, it, it's just it's interesting. The second line's got to get figured out, and it will. It will. They're but, gonna they're gonna tinker with it. They're gonna come up with some stuff. Like there, there's I think there's got to be moves eventually. Yeah. Not now, but like before the trade deadline, you're probably gonna have to look at doing something. Yeah, you're gonna have to look at doing something. But it, it is interesting. Um, final thoughts on the Vancouver game. Um, my thought is it's just funny. You talk about expectations for a player, Nathan McKinnon. He hasn't scored in like six straight games, and you're like, oh, what's wrong? He still has like. 29 points he's still putting up points he's just not scoring man and we do this every year yeah he's gonna start scoring it's just funny because you just have expectations for a player like mckinnon and you're like oh he should be scoring every night and like you said the depth has really been winning us these games recently because branson got an empty netter against vancouver but that was his first goal in a while um val's been scoring ross colton had a goal against minnesota on an absolute fucking beauty of a wrister and it's the depth guy scoring so once these stars get scoring again, his team's going to be really fucking good. Yeah, I, th- I think there really is a recipe here for this team for something special, and it is all still coming together. Yeah. Where it is not perfect yet. It is still November. It doesn't need to be perfect yet, but they're still winning games. They're t- right now tied for first with Dallas and Winnipeg for top in the Central, and they're they're still figuring things out, and that's okay. And McKinnon, he's going to start scoring. I just there haven't been a lot of games with him where he has dominated them single handedly, and I think there might They're be still winning without that. Last right. year they couldn't have done this. Right. I mean, there were games last year when McKinn was in his slump where he was dominating them, just wasn't getting pucks in the net. He's still picking up points like an absolute psychopath. Like he has, I think, a point in every game but two in this entire yeah. month of November. He's on a three game point streak right now, and. The only game he didn't have a point in was Dallas, which very bizarre. Six goals in that game, and none of them were off the stick of Nathan McKinnon. But if you don't count that, he's got points in eight of his last nine games and multiple points in most of them. He's going to start scoring. I I just find it funny because you talk about expectations like we did earlier with Bo Byram. It's the same thing with Nathan McKinnon. You're like, man, he must be struggling. It's like, no, he's he's still producing. It's just he's not scoring goals. But wait, he'll still end up at 40 this year. Don't don't worry about it. He'll still get 40. This is the exact conversation we had last year. This is down to the letter, the exact conversation we had. This just happens. You know what's going to happen? We're going to go into the offseason, and we're going to say right around that if McKinnon can just figure out how to just score like he does after January the entire year, he's going to have 65-plus goals. It's a vicious cycle. We will keep repeating it. Yeah. Where it's just like you get in the same conversation of like, you know, it's, you know, he's going to start scoring again. He's going to finish the season with 40 plus goals. He's already got six. He's ahead of where he was last year at this point. He started the season hot. And once, once he hit January and you see that one goes in again, and he's probably going to be at 10 by that point, he'll have 40, but he'll have 30 goals from January to April. Absolutely. Well, he does every year. So he does every year, but overall, Good two wins for the Avs. Um, we do have to – let's do a quick preview of the Flames game. That will be happening tonight. Both teams coming off back-to-backs. Well, this is the second half of back-to-back. You have to assume Prozatov gets the start. Um, I would be very surprised if it's Georgiev. Yeah, I think it's going to be a very high-scoring game just based off of that fact. I think the Avs win 5-4 in overtime. I mean, the Flames won 7-4 in Dallas tonight, so very much helpful to the Avs to – catch up on those two points to Dallas and I don't know, the flames are a weird one because we've been talking about their downfall for a long time now. 
they're quietly six, two and two in the yes. last ten. Not the greatest record. I mean, that's six and four technically still, but way better than it's been. And their games have kind of been roller coasters. So I'm going to take the exact opposite. I'm going to say the Avs win it three to two in this game. Back to back three to two games that they just oh, got. Get- go and find a way to win. I think Prozvitov and Net could make things interesting. Maybe just for the sake of that, I'll spot Calgary an extra goal and say you got to win this one in a shootout. Okay, that'd be an interesting one. Is it? Is it? Is it still weird that I'm going to wear an awesome Kadri jersey for the game tomorrow? No. Okay, good. Because my one excuse to wear is when, is when they play the Flames. It's Nas, right? Like it's you're not wearing a Flames jersey. It's no. Nas. Like it's Nas coming back to Colorado. Everyone loves them. It's not a big deal. Okay, good. I just want to make sure that that's an acceptable yeah. thing. Um, I wore my I, I wore my Berkey jerseys every time the Avs came back to town. Like I'm not, you know. Okay, good, good. All right, just want to make sure we're on the same page there. Um, I'm very excited. I think it's Nas' second or third time coming. Um, who knows? He could be back from the Avs eventually. Who knows? Yeah. You know, you guys, you guys support our guy. Yeah, never know. But uh, that's going to be a fun game. Um, and then we also have to talk about the Tampa Bay Lightning game. Literally no idea how this one's going to go. Tampa Me- is such a Jekyll and Hyde. You have to assume Vasilevsky gets the start. They're going to make up for lost time on Andre yeah. Vasilevsky. It's in Tampa Bay, right? It's in Colorado. Oh, okay. That yeah. changes everything. Um, Avs got swept by the Lightning last year. Different like shootouts, right? No, we no, got blown out. The one in the one in Tampa Bay, they got smoked on national TV. Yeah, the second one wasn't a shootout. Yes, yes. Um, oh, it's a tough game. I think the Abs win that one. It, I, like you just said, I don't know what Vasilevsky we're going to get. I think Ricard goes off in this game. I think I, I think this is a tough one. I think this is the first time I predict a loss on the season. Maybe interesting. Because Tampa, they're they seem like they're coming back to life a little bit. And they're going to get Vasilevsky back. I think the Avs win against Calgary. I think Tampa is, I think it's the first loss of the year where you're not like head in your hands. I think it might just be like a 4 2 game. You know, I think they're going to look good and I don't think they're going to look like shit, but I think Tampa is kind of in a, in a rhythm right now and getting back into it. And Vasilevsky's back. It might just be a tough game and you're just going to have to maybe shake it off. You know, it's a weird little stretch you got coming up. You know, I'm not going to, hopefully not look too much into it. I'd love for them to win this game because we haven't beaten Tampa in a minute, but I think it's, I think the Avs win two, one. I think Georgiev has a masterclass in this game and a late goal by let's go. Andrew Cogliano to win. I like it, it. Um, I like it a lot. I would certainly love for them to win this game. Yeah. It, it it's going to be interesting. If this game was in Tampa Bay, I think the Avs would get blown out. I'm going to be honest with you. I think if it was in Tampa, they get blown out, but it's in Colorado. I think they have a chance. And I, I think they play a good defensive game and I, they want a little bit of revenge. So I'm going to say they win it 2-1. It's going to be a spicy game, like yes. no, no matter how you cut it. The, is it nationally televised? Please tell me it's not a nationally televised game. I don't think it is. Right? I don't. Yeah, it's altitude. Normal. Okay. Because I don't even, I think we're kind of free for a little while. I hope so. The national televised games. Our next broad national broadcast game is the Sabres on the 13th, but that's also on altitude. So mm, Eric Johnson's return. Yep. The EJ return games Our next exclusive broadcast. It's not for a while. Not in January either. Oh my God. Uh, February 6th 
ESPN Plus against the Devils. That's okay. our next exclusive national broadcast game. So we're we're free and clear for a good minute. I'm good with that. Like that's what pissed me off about that Vancouver game. There was no reason for that game to be an 8 p.m. start time. Zero. None. It wasn't actually. Was it? It had to have been in. That game was on Wednesday. Yes. Night in Canada Wednesday. They knew they do the the Wednesday hockey, so maybe that's why because it was a Canadian team. But there was no reason for that it's game. Also, I mean, it's also the day before Thanksgiving, so I mean, you don't work the next day. Blah yeah. blah blah. But but yeah, I mean, that's pretty much it for the Avs. Is there any NHL news we missed that we need to go over real quick? Uh, big NHL stuff. I mean, I think we kind of have covered most of it over the last little while. I think we're also well over an hour. Yes, point. we are very much well over an hour. That's what I'm saying. Like, let's, I just want to make sure we're not missing any egregious thing that happened in the NHL before we wrap this episode. If there is, I'm blanking on it entirely. That means it must not be very big news. I'm, I'm really trying to to think. I mean, we, we can't talk about the Oilers anymore than we have. They also won 5 nothing today, so it doesn't have the same impact. We already talked about Minnesota, which was – Relevant thing for us in terms of news. I don't think so, man. I don't I think there's really been anything. I really don't think so. I really, yeah, I really we have the whole thing with Milan Lucic, which is a scary situation, but yeah, that that's just a fucking yeah. crime. I don't have any like nuanced takes like the the domestic violence situation. Like, dude committed a crime. Yeah. I mean, that's pretty much it. Other than that, I don't think there's much else going on NHL wise. Um the Sabres continue just to be the weirdest team in the NHL. I've noticed that mediocre as hell but that's pretty much my final thoughts on it yeah i don't i don't really don't think i have much else to add that i haven't already said the metropolitan's the weirdest division in the sport and it's gonna yep. be that way the whole year devils are on a six game losing streak very funny very funny uh, was it, or no, is it six, six, six of eight hughes, hughes is back he sure and meyer are not oof yeah welcome to the injury bug new jersey and their goaltending can just be a problem which we thought it was did you see the national score today they beat up on st louis yeah, how does that feel, St. Louis? Yeah, so I think that's pretty much it for NHL news. Um, like I said, uh, if you aren't aware, I'm a big Michigan fan. I'm wearing my Michigan stuff right now. Uh, we have the biggest game of the year against uh, the Ohio State Buckeyes. Um, so Tuesday's episode has a chance to be a fantastic episode for me, or I could be just the most depressed person on the face of the planet. Um, so pray for me. Um but yeah, I think I'm ready to ready to send these people on their merry way. I think I am ready to send these people on their merry way as well. So thank you all so very much for tuning in. As always, hope you had a wonderful Thanksgiving. We are both very thankful for everyone who listens to the show and just continues to give us a platform to to do what we love. I mean, it, it wouldn't be the same if we were just kind of talking into a void. I, I think it would kind of get old after <laughs> a little bit. They, they, no one listens to us. We, we would enjoy it regardless. But we do appreciate the people who say a bunch of nice things about us, the people who leave us good, genuine feedback for the show. We always really do appreciate that as well. And again, we really just are thankful for you guys for allowing us to do what we love at the end of the day. But before I turn into to too much of a sap, we can end this one here. Thank you also very much for tuning in. You can use promo code Teledabs. It is on SeatGeek for $20 off your first order of $50 or more. If you want to follow us on Twitter, you can follow me at G Young's NHL. You can follow Christian at Christian underscore belay. And you can follow the show at Teletabs. It is. If you enjoy this episode, if you enjoyed the show, please feel free to leave a nice review. Apple Podcasts, Spotify. We do appreciate your feedback and we do want to know what we can do better what you think we should be doing in the future 
let you in a little secret. We're making this up as we go. So we appreciate anything you guys have to say. But thank you all so very much for tuning in. And we will catch you all next time. But until then, let's go abs.